The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. This morning is nothing like what I was expecting. Um, I was expecting to be in a, in a, our location. I was expecting us to have our service. I was expecting us to be able to gather together and many more to be able to, to gather online. Um, but as you can see, we're in my living room this morning. As you can see, things are not exactly what I was expecting yet. Um, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. God is sovereign. He is good. And therefore, we can rest in him. Uh, yesterday evening, let me just kind of get us caught up here. Yesterday evening at around 7 o'clock, um, we, many of you actually received a, a, an alert, an emergency alert on your phone from the uh, city of San Antonio. And many more probably saw this online, but this is what we read. So the COVID-19 virus is spreading rapidly across Bear County. Local hospitals are approaching capacity. Protect yourself and your family. Stay home except for essential activities. Wear face covering um, and avoid gathering with people outside your household. Stay safe. As we looked at this, as we looked at the numbers, um, church, unfortunately, right now, we are seeing a spike right here in our community of this, of this virus. And so I began to reach out to other pastors and, and in our community, here's the deal. A text like this late on a Saturday night is not a pastor's favorite thing to receive. So I reached out, and, and uh, more than that, we came together as elders for a bit of an emergency uh, impromptu meeting last night. And, and I want you to hear me. This was not an easy decision at all. Uh, but after prayer and after discussion, we felt, um, although we desire, we strongly desire to come together as the church um, in person, uh, we believed it to be wise for us to kind of see what's going on, for us to listen to our, the leaders of our community as we try to navigate this current spike that we are in right now um, wisely. Um, Listen, we don't know what the future holds. None of us do, but our God does. Uh, he knows. He is in control. We say this on repeat. We have said this. I can't even count. Our God is sovereign. He is in control. He is good. And therefore, we can rest in him. So we're going to keep you updated on next steps as we move forward. But this morning, although this is not at all what we were expecting, um, church, I am excited to be able to preach this psalm. Psalm 2. Here's what um, we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to keep things really simple. Um, typically, we have Caitlin, you know, leading us in some worship. Ryan led us last week, uh, which, by the way, uh, side note here before we jump in. I am so grateful for our team. I am so grateful for our team. We have some incredible people here at our church. Um, 
Listen, our church would not be what it is or where it is without them. Um, I mean this, I don't brag on them as often as I probably should, but I want to ask you, if you have been blessed by them, I want to encourage you to reach out to them. Let them know, whether it be Kathy, um, with all that she is doing with our families, with all that she is pouring into our kids, um, or Caitlin, uh, listen, she makes what she does, and she makes it look easy. She really does. But as a former worship pastor, I want to tell you with confidence, it is not. It is not. Caitlin and Randy, thank you for all that you do. Maybe it's your community group leader. I tell you what, leading a community group is a calling, right? It, it always is. And, and, but to lead a, commun- a community group through a pandemic <laughs> that is difficult. Um, thank you for all that you are doing, leaders here at Stone Oak Bible Church. Thank you for all that you are doing and the way you're serving our church family so well. Now, if we were in person, I'd probably ask you know all of us to you know applaud them and clap, but it probably wouldn't have the same impact here this morning. So instead, if you're joining us online on our platform, would you blow up the chat right now? Would you just blow it up and would you just express your gratitude? More than that, um, if you've been blessed by by them, would you just take this time uh, sometime this week, whenever, to reach out to them and let them know? Um, All right, where was I? This morning, um, expectations for this morning. So this morning is going to be simple. Even before COVID-19 hit, um, we are an intentional, intentionally simple church. Uh, we have been, this is who we are. Well, this season gives us the ability to lean deeper into that value that we have as a church. So this morning, we're keeping it simple. Um, instead of music, I'm going to preach like triple the link. No, I'm joking. I won't do that. Um, but we're going we're gonna, to um, keep things simple with preaching, with prayer, with scripture, and that's it. So that's what we can expect this morning. Um, I'm excited for Psalm 2, and I want to ask you um, to join me in Psalm 2. And this is going to be a kind of a good old-fashioned gospel sermon um, this this morning. Um, and one more thing before I pray, although this is definitely not what I was expecting this morning, I believe this is exactly what God has for us. I believe that God is going to use this time. I believe that, that he is going to do a work in us this morning through his word. So to that end, church, wherever you are joining me right now, would you just bow your head with me and let's pray as we come to our, our, our Bibles. Lord, um, we thank you and we praise you because you are sovereign. You are in control, Lord, and you are good. This morning, um, as we have this ability to gather across our community online, I just pray that you would work, that you would move, and that you would speak through your word as you have promised to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to be in Psalm 2. While you're getting there, this psalm could potentially cause quite a bit of confusion. 
Let me, uh, let me kind of show you why that is uh, true. So this psalm has an immediate context and it has an ultimate context. So it has an immediate context and an ultimate. So meaning the immediate context of this psalm, as we're going to see, is, is David. A real king, real people, real time, real nations raging, right? Um, but this psalm also uh, deals with an ultimate context of Christ. Um, and this is a messianic psalm. And, and to read this psalm, church, without seeing Jesus is to read this psalm incorrectly. And I know that's a big statement. Um, I'm going to we're going to talk more about why that is an absolutely true statement here this morning. But I want, to, I want you to think about it like this. Um, uh, two years ago, almost to this day, my family and I, we got to go on a family vacation to Colorado. It was amazing. Um, and on that trip, Candace and I, my sister, it was actually on her birthday and her husband, uh, we, we got together and we decided to climb um, West Spanish Peak. Uh, it's that right here. That is beautiful. Um, it is 13,625 feet of a climb to get to that. So here we are climbing this, this thing right here. Um, it was incredible. That is proof that we conquered it, right? Uh, that's us you know, smiling. Some of us are in pain here as we made it to the top here uh, of, of this mountain. Um, but listen, the reason I bring this up. So before we set out to, to climb this, we were warned about that mountain. We were warned that um, it has something called false summits. You know what that is? It's when a mountain is deceptive. Um, a false summit is when a mountain is shaped in such a way that the climber will see the peak in front of them, right? And then they'll, they'll see the summit. They're going to work to climb it. And, and when they arrive at the summit, they arrive only to look up and realize, oh, there's more to go. There's much more to go. So let me tell you, we were warned about that mountain, that it had false summits. We were warned, and I at least fell for two. Still, I fell for at least two of these false summits. Um, and, and you just see they're not even close. Listen, Psalm 2 is a lot like West Spanish Peak and its false summits. What, we're, what we have here right now is a false summit before we get to the ultimate summit or the real summit. Um, see, in the immediate context, we'll start here. The, the, this, this, this false summit that we see is the anointed King David asking God, why do the nations rage against your people? While all the time, this Psalm reminds us that our God is in control. He's not caught off guard. He even laughs in derision, right? And then he gives David this decree. And then he warns the nations, rulers and enemies of Israel, be wise, be warned, um, submit yourself to the king, and, and, and the wrath of God will, will then be turned into refuge, and you will be blessed, right? And with that, we have arrived at the summit, right? 
No. No, we get there and we realize, oh, church, we're not even close. We're not even close. You're going to notice in your Bibles right now in this psalm, most likely, I think all but maybe a handful of translations that I saw, you're going to notice something. In your Bibles, you're going to notice the words, anointed, verse 3, king, verse 6, son, verses 7 and 12. You're going to notice that they're all capitalized. Why would they all be capitalized, church? It's because the translators of your Bible are telling you, warning you, this is a false summit. This is a false summit. See, we're not just dealing with David. We're in the ancient kingdom of Israel. No, this is Jesus. So how do we know that? Let's just get this out on the table here. How do we know this? Is it just one of these things that we've tried to find Jesus under every rock and in every corner? Um, how do we know that this psalm is truly to point us to Jesus. Well, I want to give us three things, at least three things that, that just make this irrefutable. The first is this, that the New Testament, it's because the New Testament itself um, tells us that this psalm is about Jesus. Um, this psalm is quoted directly or indirectly throughout the New Testament, I want us to just consider one for the sake of time. This is Acts 4, but in this text, what we're going to see is that Peter and John, they're arrested and um, told, stop it. Stop sharing the gospel. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they say, sorry, I can't do that. We have to proclaim it. All right. And then um, they're released. They go to the church and, and in their report to the church, they cry out to God using Psalm 2. Let's look at this together. So, sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit. What is that? Well, it, it, it's, it's showing you the, the summit, the false summit, David. But he doesn't stop there because then it quotes our psalm. It says this. Why did the, nation, the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Then listen to this. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. What just happened here? Well, well, they saw this psalm. They read this psalm, Psalm 2. They, they saw past David and they looked to and pointed to Jesus as the Christ, as the anointed one. They understood this psalm church to be about Jesus. We could say more. We could look at many more texts. But how do we know that Psalm 2 is about Jesus? Well, because the New Testament tells us that this psalm is about Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. Let's look at the second reason, and that's because of the psalm itself. Here's what I'm getting at here. Verse 7 of our psalm says this, The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This is an important verse. If you're familiar with John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten 
son. Only, only begotten son. See, begotten means from, that it comes from like kind. Begotten means that a human begets a human. A goat begets a goat. I don't know if begets is the right, we're just going to go with it. Um, a goat begets a goat, right? It's it's God the Father having only one begotten Son, only one from like kind to like kind. Begotten is the language used to refer to the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, the Son. In fact, I, I, I want to I read this to you. This is uh, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 says this, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed or whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Then, then listen to this. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint, that's like kind to like kind, of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sits, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited more excellent than theirs. Um, And then listen to this. For to which of the angels... Did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Now, of course, this is a rhetorical question because, of course, this is only Christ. This is only Christ. God has only one begotten son, and that is Jesus Christ. So the New Testament, the psalm, this psalm itself, but thirdly, we, we need to look at Jesus himself. Because of Jesus himself. Um, there's a scene in John where Jesus is, is kind of making the religious leaders mad. He does that quite a few times. Um, and, and they're accusing him, rightly, of being equal to or claiming he is equal to God, being God. And, and Jesus responds to them by saying, look, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But then listen to his statement. And it is they, that is the the scriptures in this context, the Old Testament scriptures, that bear witness about me. About me. So Jesus says the Old Testament scriptures bear witness to me. In other words, don't stop at the false stomachs. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. This morning, church, we are going to keep looking up. Um, And we're going to do something here. I'm about to walk us through the psalm, but I want us to do something here that might be a little odd. Um, When we read scripture, and not just Psalm 2, by the way, when we read any scripture, um, we can easily fall into the, the mistake of always associating ourselves with the hero. Um the good guy. So we read David and Goliath, and of course, we are David, right? Uh, we read Joseph and his narrative in Egypt, and, and we are Joseph, right? Um, and when we do this so often, we completely miss, we completely miss it um, when we associate ourselves with the, the, the hero. See, who we associate ourselves with changes the way we 
we read. In other words, let me give you an example. So if you associate yourself with Joseph and the Joseph narrative in Egypt, you walk away with some really cool life lessons of, you know, how to persevere, maybe about forgiveness and all good, all good. Um, but when you allow yourself to see past that summit and look on, the, it, when you see how Joseph points us to Jesus, then you not only walk away with some life lessons and life hacks, you walk away with the gospel. You walk away with the gospel and this is the true power. See, we can bypass that power when we put ourselves as a hero, when scripture has a hero and it's not you. And, and so I want to challenge us to do something here. It makes a difference whose shoes we put ourselves in. So whose shoes do you put yourself in in this psalm? In our text, you could, you know, put yourselves in the shoes of David and say, hey, we're children of God and, and uh, we can be bold and, and um, because he's going to make the nations our possession, right? Amen. Not bad. All true. Praise God for that. Um, we could also, I think, make an, uh, a mistake in putting our, ourselves in the shoes of a spectator just kind of reading this because it's kind of cool to hear what happened back then. Um, just looking on as though this psalm doesn't apply to us. Um, but this morning, I propose that there is another pair of shoes. And I propose that there's another pair of shoes that are going to fit you better. As we read this, I want you and I to do kind of the unthinkable. I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of the nations. The nations that are raging, the peoples that are plotting the enemies of God. That's the shoes I would like for you and I to slip our feet in as we read this, this psalm. Because I think we're going to be able to relate well. All right? So, let's read this. Let's get to work. Uh, verse 1. Why do the nations rage? The peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and... and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Again, this being Jesus. Verse three, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't need this. We don't need Christ. We don't need Christianity. We need to be able to define who we are. We need to be able to live the way we want to live. Cast away those, those, those chains. By the way, from Eden in Genesis 3 to the Tower of Babel to the life of Christ to all the way to our present day, this is the lie that the, that the enemy continually uses and that we continually believe that freedom is found when we live the way we want to live. That we know better, that we can do better, right? And, and that freedom is found apart from Christ instead of in Christ. We buy this lie. Verse four, he that is God who sits in the heavens laughs, uh, and the Lord holds them in derision. See, our greatest attempts at rebellion, our greatest attempts, um, our God is not threatened. He is not scared. Reminds me of Babel, when after all of the human power and ingenuity to build this amazing, never-before-seen greatness of this tower, after it's all said and done, that narrative is hilarious because, because God, it, it says that he, um, 
He has to bend down <laughs> to see what's going on down there. It's like, how cute, how cute is that, right? That's what happens. And, and this is the kind of the image that we're seeing here that as the nations rage, that, that God is, is not threatened at all. He has to bend down to see it. Um, he who sits in heaven's laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. Verse five, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, as for me, I have set my king King Jesus on Zion, my holy hill. He is in charge. He is in control. He is in command. Even when we shake our fists in rebellion. Um, Then verse seven, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession Verse nine, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Jesus Christ, church, rules and reigns over all. He is sovereign and he will reign forever. It reminds me of of Philippians 2 where where it says, God highly exalts him and gives to him the name that is above every name so that at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God. It's the same thing here. Jesus is king. He reigns. And it brings us to our last part. And this is what I want us to see. Since we're wearing the shoes of the nations, since that's the shoes we're wearing, then verses 10 through 12 become our application. Verses 10 through 12 tell us what we are supposed to be doing, our action steps from this. It tells us what to do very specifically. First, verse 10, now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Be wise, be warned. Meaning, Don't be surprised when the road that you are on, the path that you have chosen, your road, your path, do not be surprised when that path apart from Christ leads to a dead end, leads to the wrath of God. Be warned, be wise. Uh, I'm reminded of what scripture says in Colossians 1 that says we were once alienated and hostile. I'm reminded of Romans 5 that says we were enemies, right? In other words, be wise and be warned. And I need you to hear me here. You are not a pretty good person who God wants to make better. You, we are not pretty good people that Jesus wants to make awesome. Christianity is not about going from good to great for the glory of God. Christianity is not some self-improvement, self-help, motivational speech that we need to give each other every weekend so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. Christianity is a salvation plan. It's a salvation plan. Um, Apart from Jesus, let me be very clear here. Apart from Jesus, you are an enemy of God and things do not go well for the enemies of God. They will not, they cannot, they cannot stand. And again, apart from Christ, you're the enemy of God. And this is the fertile soil that the gospel has to take root and to spring up in a beautiful way. Be wise, be warned. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice 
what? With trembling, rejoice. Um, How can we rejoice? Being the enemy of the almighty God, how can we possibly rejoice? Well, listen, church, verse 12. This is so beautiful. And honestly, this is why we are here this morning. Verse 12. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. I'm titling this message from, from wrath to refuge because this is exactly the message of the gospel. Um, let's look at this. It says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you die. What is going on there? What kind of kiss is happening here? Church, this is about submission. Submission. This is the kiss that a king receives as, as people come before him in humility, that they, that they kiss his ring as a sign of respect and as a sign of submission. It's to say, I place myself under you. I place myself under you. Um, let me show you a negative example of this in scripture. Um, in 1 Kings uh, 19, God is doing a little house cleaning of some idolatry that had, had had taken root. And in verse 18, some are spared because listen, listen to this. Um, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. Listen to this. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not, what, kissed him. Again, same language. This is bending a knee. This is kissing the ring. This is worship. This is submission. This is placing ourselves under the authority of. It calls us to ask church, whose ring are we kissing? We might not have bent our knee to a shiny object that we call Baal, um, but we have our Baals. And, and most commonly, the most common one that I see, at least in me and in my community, the most common Baal that I see is the temptation to worship ourselves and to think that we know better and to think that we are smart enough, strong enough, we don't need any. That's the most common one I see. Um, but here the Psalm says, kiss the son. Come before him. Submit yourself to him. But I have to ask in this, we've just been talking about how we're enemies, right? Um, does this, do you see the danger in it? Does this seem and feel just a bit off? I mean, enemies don't just like bust through, walk in and, and into the throne room of the king. That's suicide. Um, but church, this is the gospel. This is a wonder of the gospel. If, if you and I don't understand that apart from Jesus, that we are an enemy, then we cannot possibly understand how truly beautiful it is what I'm about to say. Romans 5, I referenced this earlier, but I'd love to just listen to the language here of scripture as it articulates this beautifully. It says, for a while... While you were still weak, aka enemy, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, um, aka enemy. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, aka enemies, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, the gospel says the king, because of his great love, has made a way and invited enemies to come before him, to come to him. And we, his enemies, bow ourselves, kiss the son, submit ourselves to the king of kings. And when we come before him, we can now rejoice. Knowing that the wrath of God for our sin was poured out on him and not us so that we can come to him. And it's because of this that the psalm says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. It's from wrath to refuge. Listen, the all-powerful God of creation who was once set out against you is now set out for you. Scripture says, you who were once children of wrath are now children of refuge. So take this in. You as an enemy, you, you as an enemy, you look at the king, you look at the king's ring, you look at his rules, you look at his decrees and his commands, and you turn away and you see it all as just nonsense and bondage. Just like in verse three of our psalm, let us burst those bonds off of us. We don't need that, right? That is us. That is me. That is you. We don't need this. We, we know best. Is that not the cry of our world today? Is that not the cry of our community today? Is that not the cry of our sinful hearts today? That's it. When we ignore the freedom in God's command and instead we look for freedom from God's commands. So we take the Lord's word and we ignore it. We ignore it. See, God has, in that though, as Romans has told us, in that, God has looked down on us as we shake our fists. He looks down on you, his enemy. And while you were still an enemy, Christ died for you so that the enemy of God can come before the king, can be brought into the kingdom, can be brought into the joy and the refuge of the king church. This is the good news. Not that you are good, but that he is good. We believe, we preach a gospel that is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And in this psalm, we see it all. This is exactly what we see. This is a salvation first by, by grace alone, because it is only because our king is gracious. He is gracious. It's only by his grace. The second is by faith alone. See, because we approach our king not based on anything we do, not based on any merit that we bring to the table, but through faith in what the king has done. Third, in Christ alone. It's because it's only through Christ. It's only through Christ that the enemies of God are made children of God. And then lastly, for the glory of God alone, because in this, who on earth, who else 
could receive glory other than the king of kings for what he has done. It's certainly not us. Church, this is the gospel. And like the false summit of the West Spanish peak, this morning, we look up from the immediate context of David. We look up and we see Christ. Christ who is the anointed one, the king of kings, the son. You who were the enemy raging against him. Your call this morning is to humble yourself. To come before our king, to submit yourself. And scripture says that as we do, as you do, that wrath is replaced with refuge. That we come to him and we find our refuge. And I'd like for us to just end with a reminder of what this refuge is like. This, I just want to read this because it's just incredible. This is Romans 8. Listen to this church. Paul says this, this is your refuge. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Paul answers all of this and says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And listen to this. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a refuge we have, church, in our King. Would you pray with me? God, I pray right now that you would replace fear and wrath and that you would replace it with refuge as we come before you. I pray right now for everyone who is, who is watching this, everyone who is following this, Lord, right here in this moment, would you do the work only you can do? We're tired of trying to do it on our own. God, would you show us what you have done? Would you call us into your throne room to humble ourselves, to place ourselves under you so that we can experience the joy of your presence and the refuge of your presence that your word says nothing and no one in all of creation can take it away, can separate us from it. So Lord, would you, would you give us just the joy of knowing that to be true in Jesus name? Amen. Amen. Church, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for joining us today. If there's any way that we can help you, we can serve you, I, please let us know. I know that we are navigating through some crazy times of uncertainty, um, but you don't need to walk it alone. Let us know um, 
how we can be serving you, praying for you this week. And as we close, um, I want to just read this as our benediction over us. Um, besides, it's too good to just read once. It really, it really is. So I'd like for this, just as we close, for this to be the thing that is resonating in our hearts and in our minds as we leave. This, again, is Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.